If you're an entrepreneurial public servant, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA, and the theme of today's show is innovation. Uh, No guests today, taking a break from guests, and we're actually revamping uh, the show a little bit. Uh, but I wanted to talk about innovation. Before we get into innovation, I will tell you what the, uh, because we're, we're constantly innovating behind the scenes here. Uh, and, and we appreciate you listening uh, while we get this right. I, I always talk about building the plane while we're flying it. We don't have it perfect yet. Uh, and, and we've really been figuring out who is our target audience and, and what do you need to hear. Uh, and, and it just becomes more and more clear uh, what we're here to talk about. Uh, we're talking about veterans transition. We're talking about leadership and uh, under leadership, I call that people and legacy PNL. Um, so veteran transition, we categorize as DOD to AEC, Department of Defense to Architect Engineering Construction. Uh, leadership, PNL, people and legacy, return on infrastructure, and then agency entrepreneurs. Uh, and agency entrepreneurs was really the the starting point of um the podcast. And that's why I want to talk about innovation because I think to us, agency entrepreneurs are the public servants out there that are, um, they're bold, they're champions, they're stewarding their mission. Uh, maybe they're taking some risks or calculated risks. Uh, they're fighting the uphill battle. Uh, and I dealt with one of these this week, which is why I want to talk about it. Um, to, to make, public service better to make their, their missions better. Uh, we obviously deal with folks in the infrastructure and the, and the built environment and installation management and hospital facility, complex facility management, campus management. And it's about like, how, how can we do it more effectively? Uh, so, which leads me to the topic of innovation. Um, if, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. I think a coach told me that back in high school. And if you, if you don't change, if you don't try to get better, if you don't change how you approach things, you're, you're not going to get better results. And I think this came up in a, in a class this week that we were teaching at MCFA University on delegation. And if we're not focused on or if we're not open to doing things differently, we will never change. And there's a fine line between getting processes right, um, getting standard operating procedures, standardizing things across the board. Uh, I don't like writing standard operating procedures, but I love knowing that they're in place and that we're, we've got standards across the board for how we do business or how we execute tasks or how we approach project discovery or project development. Um, but at the same time, when you're delegating something out or when you're giving something, handing something off to somebody, uh, you have to be open-minded to maybe they've had another experience. Maybe they have a different perspective. Maybe they have a way of doing things better, faster, stronger, differently. And we we think that 
you know, our approach is it focuses on that. Um, we call it discover, navigate, accelerate. It's why we do the discovery navigation and acceleration section of the podcast. I can't help but, you know, use that as, as our guidepost. And the intent there is to help, you know, it's, it's one to hold us accountable to our approach with a client, right? So we have a consistent way of approaching a client's problem. Discover is discovering their situation. You have financial situation. What's their budget look like? What's their, what's their uh, budget availability? Uh, what's their problem? Not what's their scope, what's their problem? Because a lot of times scopes are defined or co-authored by 17 different people. Uh, they're copied and pasted into contracts and maybe you get around about what the problem is, but you don't actually get the actual problem. So we discover the problem and problems are usually multifaceted. Sometimes there's a technical issue. Sometimes there's a future issue. Sometimes there's an organizational issue. Sometimes it's that they just don't have the capacity in-house to take on a new initiative and we need to help them uh, define that new initiative. Uh, so that's the discover. Navigate, you know, we always talk about we we don't give you a plan or we don't wax poetic about how to do something uh, and then hand it back to you in a binder to sit on a shelf. We we prefer to be the owner's partner. We prefer to work with you to implement. So we know that that's not as easy as writing down a project plan and then executing. There's um, there's people involved. There's stakeholders involved. There's technical issues to be um, looked into. Um, so that's the navigate section. Uh, we we partner. We say we roll up our sleeves with our clients to help them navigate and then accelerate is sometimes the money's not available. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, projects just sit still because they don't have the right advocacy or there's not outside of the box thinking or there's not that, you know, we haven't discovered the right partnership. So um, we try to help accelerate the implementation of the solution. So that's why we talk about discover, navigate, accelerate. And in each one of those stages, innovation is available to us. Um, so I, I want to talk about innovation across the industry because I've been in this industry, um, I guess going on, you know, I, I guess I could claim, you know, I graduated in 2004, so I guess I could claim 18 years of experience. Uh, I've been in the industry well over 12 years now, um, which may seem like not too long to some people and may seem like an exorbitant amount of time to other people. But <clears throat> I keep seeing us do the same things over and over and over again. I see the same mistakes happen. Uh, so I'm actually opening this conversation up to anybody who wants to have it with me and look at the architect engineering construction industry. And let's, let's focus on the public sector because there, I think there are innovations going on um, maybe outside of the public sector in, in delivery. I was reading today about um, 3d printing and how that's going to be 
you know, that, that's, that's disruptive in a number of industries and, and may uh, eventually disrupt the construction industry. But I think it's, let's, let's focus on the public sector. I, I'm just constantly enamored or, or curious about why things move slowly. And I had a experience yesterday that I think may have something to do with this. So Michael Furman, my partner, he always jokes, we could have the cure to cancer, but if we don't have a contract vehicle, the government doesn't care. So I, we always joke about that. And that's the importance of having the, the uh, contract vehicle. And now everybody, I haven't been on a conference or at a conference or in attendance on a webinar where the torn process hasn't come up. So we, we keep doing things in the name of more and more and more and more competition, um, which is really just less and less and less money focused on the problem. So that's my thesis is that procurement and contracting in the name of stewardship has become so complex that the industry, right? Let's use just the federal government. The federal government is such a big buyer of the services we provide. And procurement and the federal acquisition regulations have become so bureaucratic and complicated that we've gotten away from solving problems. And the problem now is the contracting process and the procurement process. And I, I'm a believer that at the end of the day, this business, despite all of the procurement regulations, still comes down to relationships because you have to be able to work with the people on the other side of the table to get projects done, to figure out problems. But the, the problem is the business side of the business, and that's those of us who have to figure out you know, how, does, how does profit and loss happen and what's our overhead and how do we invest in the right talent and the right processes to win the work so that we can actually do the services that we want to be providing. But the, the contracting and procurement and, and marketing uh, side of this has become so complex. And I think in a lot of cases, so disconnected from the result or the problem that there's zero room for innovation. Uh, and there's a lot to unpack there. Because I think there can be innovation in delivery. I think there can be innovation in approach. I think there can be innovation in technology. I think there can be innovation in just the utilization of Zoom calls, as an example. I didn't know what Zoom was until COVID hit. Um, Zoom, innovation in, in pricing models and, and how best value can come about. Um, but when you have procurement and contracting separated from the the decision makers or the, the, the vision people, uh, I think you, you lose out on innovation. You lose out on progress. And this is, you know, I, I know plenty of people in contracting. I, I, this is not me railing against folks in contracting. They're very important to the process. This is me saying, we've got to make some changes and i think we have to make it from the industry side because the 
the client side kind of have their their hands tied. But let me give you the two examples. I think there's two, maybe there's a third. Just this week, we're a planning company. And more so than that, we would say we're a project development company. Uh, we're a consulting firm that helps clients discover problems and solves them. Uh, we We often talk about reducing total cost of operations, reducing total cost of ownership, strategic planning, creative problem solving. And a contract vehicle came out through a public client having to do with planning. And AICP is the certification for planners. Um, And uh, maybe I'll even read the email. Long story short, uh, and here's a business development tip to all you small business people out there. Maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not. The contracting officer asked if there were any questions or RFIs related to the procurement or the solicitation. And we noticed that the scope was written written more for an architect and an engineer type solicitation than a planning or problem solving or strategic um, consulting kind of engagement. Maybe intentionally, maybe not. But they the, the organization came out with two contract vehicles or two RFPs at the same time. One was AE, one was planning. Both read the exact same way. Has to be a mistake. That's what I'm thinking to myself. It has to be a mistake. They, you know, something got copied and pasted wrong. Something got uploaded to Beta Sam wrong. All of you that love Beta Sam. Um, this can't be what they intended to put out. So here's the small business BD tip. I write an email to the contracting officer loaded with questions of the RFP I think that should be coming out. One of the questions had to do with AICPs. Um, And it was meant to, my, my hope was that it forced them to think about their problem differently or the project or the contract vehicle differently. And I've got a number of reasons for that. One, I don't have a bunch of architects and engineers on my staff to pursue this. And they want to have more competition. They want it to be SDV OSB set aside. So I have a number of architect and engineering partners that could augment me for a planning contract. We have experience in planning for a number of federal facilities, including the type of facilities and campuses that we were talking about here. And they don't, they don't want any planners. They want an interior designer. They want an structural engineer. And I'm thinking to myself, why would they not want planners? This has to be a mistake. We ask about planners. Specifically, we talk about project developers, stakeholder outreach, um, infrastructure planning, master planners. And we reference the AICP certification as, you know, a potential requirement. And they come back and say, that's not the type of planning we want done. That sounds too complex. That's more regional. You know, AICPs are for more regional planning, yada, yada, yada. So 
and maybe they're right. Maybe I am completely wrong in this, but it felt like it was likely a contracting officer that didn't want to deal with my question and Googled what an AICP was and said, yeah, that's not what we need. But those of you who do public work understand that a public organization in and of itself operating multiple missions on an installation or a campus, this was not a defense client, by the way, but let's say that it was, um, there's a ton of different stakeholders there. They all have a say, they all have budgets, they all have needs. They're as complex as a region. Maybe there's not as much official politics, but there's organizational politics going on there. And this contract completely minimized the role of planning and project development and problem identification and problem solving, in my opinion. I And everybody can tell me I'm just being selfish because I want that. And there's truth to that. But I just don't understand why they wouldn't have considered that or given me a little bit more of a response if they actually thought about it. So I'm airing a frustration, but it's also an observation. I think that when we look at contract vehicles as just buckets to throw problems at, uh, but don't actually have the contract vehicle that helps define the true problem, we're, we're doing the client a disservice uh, and the clients doing the, the contracting folks are doing the technical folks a disservice. Um, second is we had a phenomenal engagement uh, with another public client and rave reviews from, from all of the project team uh, would love to work with us again Loved our innovation, loved our creativity, loved our energy, you know, maybe could have used a little more in person and I'll take that on, you know, on the chin because, you know, COVID was going on and we weren't able to be there in person as much and we used technology and I, I agree that technology does not replace in-person meetings, especially when dealing with rallying stakeholders, et cetera, et cetera. So I get a CPARS, you know, the lifeblood of of winning future work. And I'm excited to open it up and read it and um, hear all of the good things that they told me or read all of the good things that they told me. I'm hoping and looking forward to reading this on a piece of paper. And lo and behold, it's a check the block piece of paper. And I call the client and I say, I, I don't know if you were involved in this, but I don't want to disagree with it if you, this is how you guys feel, but there's like zero feedback of positive. And, you know, everybody said we did a great job. And he said, all right, let me look into it. We, we, the group, the user group sent the contracting officer a bunch of information, a bunch of feedback. Let me look into it. He gets back to me and he says that his contracting department told him, it's already been submitted. He can't change it. 
the only way to do it is for me to disagree with it. So here I am. I'm now I'm creating more work for somebody. I'm not going to get any additional love out of this person uh, because I'm going to disagree with it. But I really don't have any choice. If I don't disagree with their assessment and accept it, the next time I, I go after work, this is the most recent CPARS rating. And it's been a while since I've seen the, the public side of that system, but I'm guessing this is the first one that pops up. Um, it has to do with a core service we provide. And it's satisfactory ratings. At the bottom, he copied and pasted, or she, maybe, uh, copied and pasted, would, would do work with this contractor again. That was the only positive thing. So I, I'm talking to this. I'm, I'm waiting for the contracting officer to get back to me. I have no choice but to to dispute this because it's the lifeblood of our our work. Um, so it's just it it goes to show how disconnected, in my opinion, and and again, I'm. I'll, I'll finish this thought and then I'll, I'll kind of dissect it. How disconnected it feels that contracting is from mission. Um, and now my leadership hat is, well, why, right? If I'm, if I'm in that organization, why is this disconnected? And the Corps of engineers, I think there's, there's not a commander out there that would say, you know, maybe there's, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know enough commanders now to, make that claim, but I've heard from Corps of Engineers folks that because the contracting department doesn't report to the commander, you've lost some some folk some mission focus. Okay. So that that's one way. Um are we encumbering our contracting folks with so much legal nonsense or are they overworked or are they just hired and they're they're happy themselves to understand how to even submit a CPARS, but not educated at all on the impact that that has on small business or a hundred other reasons. So I'm not saying this is any one person's problem. I'm saying this is an industry-wide problem. And I believe, one, it's it's going to stifle the industry for growth because less and less and less people are going to go after federal contracts because they're more and more and more expensive to chase. And eventually that it's just not worth doing business with them unless you're a mega, mega business. So you're losing out on small businesses for sure. Um. Arrogantly, I'll say you're missing out on my small business because I become less interested and I think we bring a whole lot of innovation and a whole lot of uh, perspective um, to to our clients. So we're, we're missing out on the economic development goals of small business growth through federal government policies. We're missing out on innovation in delivery. We're missing out on new perspectives. And you're forcing the industry to put their best and brightest minds not on the problem solving, but the problem 
not on the actual technical problem solving or client's problem because everybody has to be focused on their business problem, which is how do I win this work? So to our federal partners, I think that we really need to figure out how do we, how do we go about fixing this? Um, because I think because you, you as a whole are such a huge buyer, your procurement process and policies dictate how the industry approaches the business. And if you keep stacking the contracting problems in front of us, those are the problems we're going to focus all of our energy, all of our time, all of our talent on solving. And you're not going to get our best and brightest minds on the actual technical problems. And then we're not going to get the best and most cost-effective solutions for your missions. And who's going to suffer? Our taxpayers are going to suffer. And the employees inside of your mission are going to suffer. And the recipients of your mission are going to suffer. Um, so I, I think that that's a leadership problem. I think that that's a contracting and a policy problem. I don't have all the answers. Hopefully we digested some of them or, or, or discovered some of them here. Uh, and I am open to talk to anybody about this. Uh, so if you're listening and you're fired up about it too, um, let's, let's talk, let's figure out, you know, are there ways to do business together? Are there ways that we can help solve this? Uh, there's a number of people in the industry advocating for, for, you know, doing things better, but that leads me to the agency entrepreneur. The agency entrepreneur is somebody who says, you know what? I don't care what my organization's issues are. I have a mission to lead and I have a mission to steward this mission. And they don't let one person, they don't let policy, they don't let bureaucracy get in the way. They say, I want to get, I, I owe it to my mission to do this project right. I know the type of clients or the type of, um, I'm sorry, the type of consultants that I need, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to advocate for a procurement process that gets me what I need, not gets me who contracting department decides. Um, so my hat's off to all of those agency entrepreneurs because the client I dealt with this week that said, I can't believe uh, this CPARS rating. I can't believe that happened. He is an agency entrepreneur. He is pushing the rock up the hill every day for that mission. That organization is so lucky to have him um, advocating for the mission, advocating for best practices, advocating for doing things better, doing things different, doing things smarter, um, advocating for innovation. If we're constantly focused on solving the contracting problem, we're never going to innovate the construction, the infrastructure, the engineering, the facilities, the asset management, the facility management, the energy util utilization with our best brains, with our most innovative people. Uh, so that's my thesis for today. Um, and we'll wrap it up here. Uh, a little bit of a, like I, I started out talking about, 
inspiring people in places was was really started as um, one we saw a lot of you know good stuff going on at different organizations and wanted to highlight that there's there's too much too much news that's negative too much news highlighting what's going wrong in the world um, we see too many things that are going right as I rail on the contracting process uh, that may, maybe that's not as inspiring as, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm inspiring the agency entrepreneurs, the champions of the missions to keep doing what they're doing and, and encourage others to be, uh, take more ownership of that. Um, extreme ownership is a core value. We talk about at MCFA. Uh, and you know, it, it is about looking in the mirror and saying, I can make a difference. And that's what agency entrepreneurs do. They don't let contracting departments. And by the way, I'm, but, you know, it's not changing how we approach the business. We are going to continue innovating and pushing and and winning work, but it, it is the macro public policy issue that I think our our public leaders need to deal with inside of uh, engineering construction agencies. I don't I don't know anything outside of that. I'm sure defense contracting and you know there's there's probably lots of needs for improvement out there. Anyway, inspiring people in places. Why did we start this? We started it to share good news, to highlight uh, great stories of people, to interview uh, those people, to get their perspectives on how their career came about, their view on the industry. We follow the Discover, Navigate, Accelerate model, discovering who they are, navigate, understanding um, you know different leadership and project challenges that they've navigated, and then accelerate is obviously our, our rapid fire question uh, round. So we, we will continue to do interviews. Um, what I realized is I don't have, I don't, I just didn't, I could not get into a consistent battle rhythm with our guests, uh, because a lot of them have busy schedules and I have a busy schedule and, you know, a a two o'clock on a Thursday afternoon worked and then it didn't work. And so we've, we are working on that. The other part was we, you know, we didn't want to just bring on any guest um, without, you know, a, a, enough background and, and, and understanding of how it, uh, impacted our audience. And now I'm realizing that there's, there's a couple of categories that these people fall into or, or that we're focused on from an audience standpoint, transitioning veterans. I talk about it all the time. I don't care if you're an, an E1, um, maybe more likely an E3 or an E4, getting out after your first enlistment and exploring the construction industry, or you're an 06 or above uh, looking for executive placement or executive uh, type opportunities in the architect engineering and construction industry, we want to serve you. So um, that's two parts. One is educating you on what the opportunities in the industry are. And two is uh, talking about some of the some of the many struggles that we go with when we take the uniform off and transition to the private sector. Um, more on that, but DOD to AEC is that program. PNL, people in legacy, leaders from all walks. I, I love leaders. Uh, I love leadership and I love finding inspiring people uh, to bring on the show. So we're going to open up the aperture outside of the industry for just leaders that inspire us. Um, and hopefully if they inspire me, they inspire you. So we're, uh, we're getting more of those on. 
return on infrastructure is more like uh, engineering news record meets Wall Street Journal. Um, we want to educate you, bring you perspectives, uh, especially with the Biden administration's public policy around the Infrastructure and Jobs Act. Um, I think it's really important that we talk about the the investment side of that and and treating those investments as investments, uh, not just taxpayers' money that's you know in a big budget. Um, we have to. We have to think about that and we have to be knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about the impact those infrastructure investments have on our economy. And then last, how do we steward? So stewardship, how do we steward those investments more effectively? And the stewardship is really about innovation and agency entrepreneurs uh, that are doing it day in and day out. So stay tuned as we launch, relaunch, reorganize. Uh, and continue improving, inspiring people in places. Um, and I hope you have a great weekend and we will be back next week. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People in Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants. Uh, if you're getting something out of this or you want more out of it, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, shoot me a note. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about it. If you want to be a guest, uh, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, so shoot me an email, B Kramer, B-K-R-A-E-M-E-R, Bravo, Kilo, Romeo, Alpha, Echo, Mike, Echo, Romeo at mcfaglobal.com. That's M as in Mike, C as in Charlie, F as in Foxtrot, A as in Alpha, global.com. Uh, check us out on our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Check out the DNA. Uh, and if you're exploring job opportunities, we are hiring. So check out our job opportunities. Until next time, have a great weekend. Have a great rest of your week. And thanks for listening.